It's a good old-fashioned Bears-Giants matchup Sunday at Soldier Field. Unfortunately, two teams with a combined nine wins, but the flavor of the history not gone unnoticed this week. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer with you here on Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Tom, good evening. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but it's the anniversary yesterday. I saw some great photos on Twitter, ticket stubs. Uh, the Bears went at Wrigley Field over the Giants. Uh, they destroyed Y.A. Tittle. There were Giants fans complaining how the Bears defenders just went at Y.A. Tittle, and you've seen some of those pictures. They they abused him in the pocket before 45,000 plus, 14-10 the final. Larry Morris, the MVP. Billy Wade, a couple of short touchdown runs. The defense allowed just a Frank Gifford touchdown catch and a field goal on a day that had a four-degree temperature, 11-degree below zero wind chill. Sounds like Sunday at Soldier Field. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Hey, it could possibly match up to be a night, another great Giants-Chicago Bears battle. And they are historic. We heard about them as ex-players. And if you are a Bear, uh, kind of a remembrance type of guy, you'll learn a lot about the type of battles they had. All right, we're going to be with you here until 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, what we got coming up? Daz Newsom, our guest for a couple of segments, and we'll break down the Bears and Giants. Also look at what's transpired over the course of the season for several Bears and what might transpire on Sunday. First thing that comes to mind for me, Tom, not only the performance of young players, we don't know who the quarterback is as, as of this show right now. Uh, today at practice, another limited day for Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, a full go. You know Nick Foles is ready to go if needed. What do you do here? Uh, you have to play the healthiest of the quarterbacks. The last thing you want to do is to put one of these guys in the conditions that it's going to be Sunday and possibly, you know, slow the process of their ability to play quarterback and then end up with an injury. And that's all three of these guys included. But you have to start with Justin. If Justin is the healthiest, he's the guy that I want to play the most. This was earlier this week from Matt Nagy regarding the desire for Fields to get on the field. You know, just from listening to him talk and, and where he's at, you know, the, the thing with Justin is he's super tough. So we have to balance that. We got to make sure that he doesn't hurt himself because he's he's trying to tough through something. But he's also smart, too, and he gets it that we have his best interest. So when he has that ability, it helps. Uh, he wants to be out there. He wants to be out there for his teammates. He wants to be out there to be able to help every way he can to, uh, to help us continue to finish the season strong. And that's certainly got to be the case. Uh, we'd love to see him, though, right? We'd love to see him. Well, there's a lot that you have to think about. How severe is the injury? Can they go up there and tape it where he really doesn't feel it and he's able to have the mobility and the throwing balance that he needs? And then you also think that, hey, there's two more games left in the season, then you're going to have plenty of time to heal. You know, it's a real slippery slope when you're talking about how healthy do you have to be to play? And if I'm healthy enough to play, I got to play because I'm going to have a long off season. Slippery slope's the key word. I mean, maybe four to eight inches of snow on Saturday, and it's going to be below zero on, on Sunday. Right. But, you know, those are the types of conditions you expect this late in the season, especially on the lakefront. It's unpredictable. And for what these players were prepared to go with in Seattle – Listen, man, I, I respect their desire and their ability to go out and play as well as they did under the balance of the game in Seattle. Jason Peters remained limited to that ankle, so what do you think they'll do with the tackles? Um, you know, I think that if Larry Borm is healthy, they'll probably play him at right tackle, and if Tevin is healthy, they'll probably play him at left tackle. I've always let it be known that I wish they would flip-flop, 
and give Larry Borm an opportunity to play left tackle at home and Tevin Jenkins to play right tackle at home because I think you'd see a more well-balanced, powerful offensive lineman because they can hear the commands of the quarterback. What did you think of Larry's performance at left tackle in Seattle? I think he did a great job. Little notification. He was mentally prepared to understand the assignments and his protections accordingly. He went out there and he played the position again. And it's always about balance when you talk about offensive tackles. Because the first thing they do, if you get off of balance, then you're beat. Larry Borum, like I said, he was mentally prepared, physically prepared. Second series, they said, look, and Tevin's not going to play anymore. And thinking you're going to play right tackle, boom, you're in at left. That just shows you, um, you know, some of what Larry Borum's all about. Wide receiver Marquise Goodwin under the weather. J.P. Holtz out for personal reasons today. Duke Shelley didn't practice yesterday. Back as a full participant today up at Hallis Hall. Uh, also, hearing from Cole Komet, the Bears tight end, asked uh, a lot about what's next here in 2021 and why does it matter if the team's out of the playoff mix? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously from the outside, you know, we're not making the playoffs, so it's kind of like, you know, what's the point? But um, these these games mean a lot, you know, for me, you know, specifically, you know, I'm a young player in the league, and, you know, this is two more two more games, eight more quarters that I get to play and see more stuff and, you know, kind of build on some things and try some things, you know, these last couple of games. <laughs> and, you know, everyone's playing for a job here. You know, this is not um, – you know, we're just not going to let, you know, settle down. Guys are not just going to settle down here at the end. Like, you know, guys are playing for jobs, future jobs. You know, what you put on tape matters. So uh, that's something that's that's big. And you know, that's why you're always going to see players fight hard to the end because, you know, this means a lot to us and guys want to keep playing. And, you know, the way to do that is put, put a good film out there. I expect that from a, a young player. I, I'm certain there's some veteran players feel the same way because of, of the uncertainty of their futures. And uh, we'll hear from David Montgomery here in a, a moment also. I don't know where you're at on how things, how they play out here the rest of 21 if, the, if they bridge into 2022. I'm less and less thinking that way because you just got to finish your season strong because you don't know. You're, you're a different player the next year. You're either an older player or a younger player getting better or trying to make it to that next step in your development. Yeah, but when you're talking about some of the guys you're mentioning with the Cole Komets and the David Montgomery and a lot of these young, other young guys, the Khalil Herberts and stuff in the roster, I mean, they, they have to have a, a – they want to be a dominant position at their player, especially if you're Cole or Dave Montgomery and you have such high expectations placed on you. And you can never take a game um, lightheartedly. You're going to get hurt. You can never not go out and prepare to play against a team you're not very familiar with, the Giants, else you'll look bad doing it. So I'm glad Cole has the attitude he has, and I hope a lot of the young guys share that same attitude. One of them is running back David Montgomery. It carries. You feel a whole lot better um, knowing that you got a possibility to win the next two games and actually doing that. Um, it means a lot going to the next season just to show like our capabilities and what we're capable of and being able to do that. So it, it means a lot. Um, to me, from my standpoint. So for him, he, he does feel a little bridge to next year. Listen, David Montgomery does never have to go up to a podium and tell us how important it is to it. It's reflected in every one of his games. And I know whether it's the first game of the year or down to the wire like it is at, at this portion of the season, David Montgomery is going to play hard. He, You know, it's it's really um, it's it's something to watch him play. He catches the ball well. He runs. He blocks everything that you need and is required out of a champion division-winning style running get back. Dave Montgomery has that. 
I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, last five weeks, the top receiving running back in the National Football League is David Montgomery. 166 yards. He's been targeted 31 times more than any other back and 26 receptions. That was not the case before these last five weeks. Didn't get right. I, I, it, I think it's just earned uh, uh, the coach's understanding that, look, if we play, I, you know, in the last couple of games, he's had a couple of catches out at wide receiver. He's had a lot of them out of the backfield. He runs screens really well. So, you know, David, the, Mon, David Montgomery is the type of guy that if you do split him out at wide receiver, he can be part of your your target rotation of the play. Last heard Matt Nagy on Wednesday of this week talking about how this team is looking at these final two games as well after the win in Seattle. When you when you're losing games like we like we were, you, you just we always talk about just get that win, just get that one win. And sometimes if you just focus on that one win, it never comes. You got to just focus on execution and playing well. And I think that. For us, like just coming into the building the next day or flying home that night, like that, that's why we do what we do to be able to win the game together because we did it all three phases. So that helps. Now, now we understand, okay, they're going to give us two games yet to play. We know we can't make the playoffs. Now let's finish strong. Let's, let's, let's show everybody who we are. And, and even when things aren't easy or things aren't great, we still finish and no one can take that away from us. And I think that that speaks to the character of, of players and, and and futures. And so that that's why we're doing what we're doing. And I think the players have done an amazing job of accepting that and wanting to do it. And then they show it. They don't just talk about it and then not do it on game day. They're doing that, and the coaches are, are coaching hard. And I th- when that's the case, I, I'd rather much have it that way than, than a team that just decides to fold up shop and not play the rest of the year. Have you been on teams that did it the other way? Did you feel guys ever did that? Unfortunately, yeah. You did. Unfortunately, huh? yeah. It, you know, that's the worst thing when it starts to infiltrate the locker room, no matter what part of it is during the losing season, it's almost unrecoverable. But you know what? One thing you think about these guys right now, and you think about the length of time that we spend up there during training camp. Those guys probably spend, you know, 60 hours a week between the the multiple practices, the weightlifting, the meetings and everything. Jeff, right now we're looking for three hours a week, two times, three hours a week. Can you guys in that locker room commit that three hours a week after everything else? You got to be able to do that. Coming up next, Daz Newsom joins us, Bears wide receiver and punt returner with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Pleased to be joined here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with wide receiver and punt returner and all-around funny man as we're learning. Daz Newsome out of UNC. That blue sure did look good on you in college, Daz. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, but navy blue and orange looks better. What do you think? Hey, man, I can't, I can't disagree with you there. Heck of a punt return last week, buddy. Uh, did that just give you some juice? Um, honestly, honestly, it was it was just like I've been waiting on my opportunity. I had to make some shape, and I was just trying my best to do some of my opportunity. What does that do for you? I feel like I feel like it gives you more confidence. I mean, I mean, I always have confidence. I feel like you, you can't play this sport or this position without confidence. So I feel like I feel like I just feel like it just gave me more confidence that, that I, I can really do this thing. Hey, Daz, to the crib on three, to the crib on me. <laughs> is that something that, I mean, did you make that up? Did you learn it or? I got that from a coach at UNC. It was a tight end coach, Coach Chad. Coach 
Coach Chad. I got that from Coach Chad when I was at UNC my freshman and sophomore year. And every time he would get the returners, he would, I never heard nobody say it before. He would always say to the crib on me, to the crib on three before we break. And then like, and then he left after my sophomore year. Well, well we got a new staff then. And so so I, I just I just kept the thing going by myself. I like it. Hey, Dad, so, you know, I was kind of, I was reading about you. So you went to college as a DB. You went to wide receiver. You're obviously a super talented guy. You got receiving skills. And it kind of reminds me of Devin Hester because there's a lot of similarities in your background and what he became in the NFL and your multi-level of talents. So if you would have stuck with DB, could you play DB, first of all? I honestly, I think so. I, I think I think I was a better DB, honestly. But, really? but I, I ain't played in so long. I'm, I'm probably a little. I mean, I can't say I ain't played in so long, but I'm probably a little rusty now. As as in, I would have been if I would have just stayed. I would have focused straightly on DB. But I feel like I was a better DB. But I got switched before I before I even got to school. You know, the other night, the other day at Seattle, it was snowing so hard during the pregame. How does that affect your sight? Um, is it easy to follow the football because it's brown against the white background? Or are you having snowflakes hit you in the eyes while you're kind of focusing on the downward flight of the football? Um, so and in the beginning of the game, I, I was having this conversation with my teammates. And I was saying, like, I, when I came into the locker room, I noticed that they took my visor off. And me, I, I play with my visor through anything unless I can't see. And, I, like, you're, like, usually rain, like, Rain, like, usually I can't see very well, so I take it off. But snow, I know in snow I can still see with my visor on, so I, I'm telling them to put my visor back on. And I just wanted to see how it was. And then when I went out there for Walmart without my helmet, it's snow getting all in my eyes. I can barely see, so I put my visor on, and it was so much clear. And so it's like all the snowflakes hit my visor, so it ain't, it ain't bothering me as much. And then, you know, as soon as the flakes hit, it just turns into, like, to like, a, to like a, a, a water drop. Right. Yes. So I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like the shield helped me out a lot. Daz Newsom, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. The the most logical question then the follow-up is it have you ever played in snow before? Nah. So that I'm was not. the first time. Yeah, that was the first time. Did you like it? No, nah, it was fun. It was definitely fun because I felt like I felt like it made everybody slow down. It made the game much slower. Interesting. Khalil Herbert also had never played in snow, got a kick out of it. But now a whole different thing. Expected to be below zero wind chills on Sunday. You down with that? Hey, I gotta huh. get down with anything. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is a you gotta adjust, right? You have to yeah, you have sure. to mentally embrace it. Now Tom's the old offensive lineman, so he went out there with uh, you know no no uh, no undershirts or anything like that, just froze it on up. But you yeah. do have to mentally get there, and then when you answer that question, I'll have Tom tell you how to do that. For sure, for sure. But the thing about the cold, I feel like. At first, I used to never play with sleeves, but that last game, I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna have to put some sleeves on today. I'm like, I don't know if I can thug it in the snow without no sleeves. It made you know, it made me cold when I saw David Montgomery go down for the snow angel after he scored because I, you know, cold or warm, I sweat equally as much, and so I was yeah. thinking, man, having that back up against that cold yeah. angel. No thanks, David. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't doing the snowflake with him. I don't know about that one. <laughs> hey, hey, Daz. So when we go back to OTAs, you are kind of the most noticeable wide, re- the most noticeable rookie of the bunch. It seemed like you were developing a really good relationship 
early on with Justin. And then, unfortunately, you had the episode where you broke your collarbone. With the broken collarbone, did it give you a chance to catch up mentally? Or, um, you know, what? how did you go about your business in improving even though you weren't on the field? Um, honestly, my, my biggest thing was, was just trying to make sure I'm where everybody else is within the playbook while I'm out. So my, my biggest thing was just trying to get get the mental reps, and, and I would say it was definitely tougher because I'm, I'm more of a I'm more of a learn as I do type of person than than somebody telling me, and then I have to go do it. But it was definitely more of a mental thing. But I, I feel like I feel like once I once I got back out there and just got a, a little quick flow of things, I feel like I, I was getting I was definitely coming along real good. So now let's move. Let's advance like five months, and you've been around Justin a bunch. Why did you guys initially have a, an immediate relationship with each other? And what do you think the potential is, you know, the, this relationship between the two of you young guys, you know, that could be doing it here for a decade long time to come? Um, I think, I think for one, we, we just both came in, we came in, we both just came in hungry, honestly. Like him, he came in, he, when he dropped the 14, I'm sure he wasn't expecting that. I went in sixth round. I wasn't expecting that. So we really just both just came in here with a hunger. We were, we were trying to prove people wrong. And I feel like that's what's just going to hold us to be great within these next couple of years, just trying to, still trying to prove people wrong. Des, there's always a bunch of those guys in the locker room. And I'm sure there were, in college, two guys that thought they'd be recruited by bigger schools or whatnot. Uh, but there's a growing bunch on this team, and I think you know who they are. I mean, Khalil Herbert's definitely one of them. Montgomery's definitely one of them. Jalen sure. Johnson's definitely one of them. I'm sure Cole Komet feels that way as well. Justin, I'm sure, feels that way as well. Do you do you hear that from them? Bilal Nichols is. Uh, do they talk about it? Do you guys talk about it? Do you guys, you know, break it down that way? Or or is this just each individual's personal journey? Um, What do you mean as in... As in Chip, on the shoulder. Chip on the oh, shoulder. Oh, yeah. Chip on yeah, the shoulder. I feel, I feel like... I feel like I feel like it's personal and it's a team thing. Like I feel like, I feel like for you to for you to feel that way, you, you gotta feel it personally before you feel it as a team. Because you know it's always gonna be a chip on the, on your team's shoulder. Like people are always gonna say you're not this, you're not that. So so I feel like a team is always gonna have a chip, but but you have to have a chip individually for you to get the job done. Because our coach was saying the other day, he was saying if you get better individually, it's gonna make the whole team better. What coach told you that? I cannot remember. All right. I cannot well, remember. I, I think it, I don't know if it was Furry or I don't know if it was Coach Tapes or I don't know if it was Nag. It was probably all three. <laughs> it, it, was, it was one of the three. One of the three said hey, that. And you're the son of a coach. So your dad played in the uh, in college at Virginia Tech. Yes, he played in the Canadian Football League. He played in NFL Europe. And he was an assistant coach on your high school team at a very prominent, uh, athletically gifted area of the country in Virginia. What... Your dad's name, Myron, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, what were your dad's best teaching points to you throughout you growing up, and what did he instill in you as a football player and as a man? Uh, I, I feel like he instilled, he instilled like, like the dog and stuff, like to never back down, to never get out of work. But my, my dad, he's he very, he very hard on never getting out of work. So I, I feel like, I feel like that, that's something that he installed in me as a young age and really just, just me going to get it. My, my my dad, my dad, he, he's a he's a very hard worker. He always had like three jobs, and or two jobs at least. So so he he just always been a hard worker to go get. It. I just feel like I feel like he instilled he instilled that part very good in me. 
Hey, Daz, when you look at the length of this season after coming off a college season, you know, there's it's a big challenge to young guys that don't realize that you're going to go through a preseason, then all of a sudden the season starts and you're going, God, after 11 regular season games, yeah. I'm usually done by now, but I got almost a whole season left. How, how has that been on you? Is that something your dad kind of told you how this – the length of the season was going to go along with you because it's only the first year that you know you kind of learn that lesson. But how is how has that been on you? The toll of the length of the season. Um, I mean, it's, it's been pretty fun to me, honestly. You know, I'm, I'm a football fanatic. I love to be around the game, but um, it, it definitely has been long, very longer than, than usual. Though, but my my dad, I mean, not only my dad told me about it, but I have an uncle. I have an uncle that works for the NFLPA, so he also told me about how, how long the season is and just, just making sure I take care of my body. And he was just telling me just, just how to be a pro. He just said, go in there. He said, watch guys that's, that is a pro. He said, watch guys that's, that's not so well as a pro. And he just said, take the good things and, and basically put them to use. What about, so when you watch that 97-yard punt return by Jakeem, were you blown away that he caught it and now they've had a couple of opportunities to have some really impressive punt returns yourself. You know, you, you think about that line, that five yard line, you know, don't, don't catch it. If it's going to go beyond yeah. five or you got to see what you got to see, like your vision on the punt return on your 28 yarder. I think it was immediate vision by you that you saw where your opening was going to go and you took advantage of it. So about you came on the 97 yarder and then your 28 yarder, is it all vision? Oh, uh, Jakeem, Jakeem, he, he just, that's this what he does. Pump return, I feel like pump return is what Jakeem does. And he, he's really good at it. So he just, he finds a way. I don't know how he does it, but he finds a way to get open or to get himself open, to, to get out of there. But me, I, I definitely have some more work to do within pump return. I, just, I feel like it's all in having a feel for it. He, he's been doing it for about probably like five, six years now. So, so he, got, he got a pretty good feel for it. So I, I, feel, like, I feel like the more... The more reps I do, I, I get a good feel for it and know where I'm supposed to be, know where the hole's supposed to be hitting it. That's Daz Newsom, our guest here on Bears All Access. Time to step away. Another segment to go with the Bears rookie wide receiver and punt returner. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, our special guest, Daz Newsom, the Bears rookie and uh, a rookie class that is really looking bright in the future. I know you spent a ton of time with Thomas Graham. Obviously, you guys, <laughs> the patience must have been difficult to wait on that practice squad uh, to get your opportunity. And do you feel the, you know, you can't feel pressure or you can't want to do too much when you get the opportunity because something might backfire. But yeah. what was it like? Because you guys were college stars and now waiting for your opportunity and now you're getting it. Oh, honestly, um. Coming in when it first happened, yeah, you know, I was I was a little I was a little hurt when it first happened, but but I talked I talked to my agents, um, they just told me go in there and work hard, work hard and practice, and just show them, basically just show them, just show them that it was a mistake, and I'm that that's what I did. I just put my head down and practice, grind every day, and try to make try to make sure I get myself better every day. So when it's time for me to go out there, that I was prepared, and when I when I went out there, I felt I felt 100 percent prepared. You know that. No, that, that July crack collarbone certainly set you back. It probably yeah. that that's what did it. Would you say? Um, I, yeah, I, I would say I would say definitely say that's part of it. I can't I can't blame it all on that, but I would definitely say that had a big part. What would you say is your biggest strength? 
as a wide receiver? I think I think to make people miss when I got the ball in my hands. Man, you did that a lot in college, man. That was that's some special stuff out of the slot, Tommy. You know, Daz, I was drafted in the fourth round, and I've been bitter ever since that time. And I know what you so. What what was your goal like when you got drafted? Hey, it doesn't matter where you once you get drafted, you get drafted. You got yeah. you have equal opportunity as anybody else that got drafted above you. And you see some of the wide receivers that are already out of the league that were drafted in front of you. But what was what type of motivating factor was that for you to make sure that you were prepared as we saw you were prepared the first day you showed up at OTAs? Um, like like I said, that yeah, I went. I, I seen a kicker go before me. So that my 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 mindset was was on one thing, was just to prove everybody wrong, and really just grind. Out. And and I feel like for you to do that, you have to believe in yourself. So I had to work hard and make sure that I believed in myself that I was going when I go out there, that I was going to be confident enough to go do what I got to do. And, and a lot of a lot of my game is is about confidence. Uh, you know, are, are there any other other wide receivers that you pay attention to? Because I got to say, being in the same division with Devontae Adams. I, I tell you, I'm so impressed with the guy and his focus and his attention yeah. to detail, his ability to survive when he's such a high-targeted guy and everybody else is lower. Is there anybody that you paid attention to throughout your time knowing that you're going to come to the NFL to try to take something away from what you see on video? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. I, 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 like, I, like, I like his attitude. I like how, the, how he comes to work. And I feel, I feel like he gets the job done no matter – no matter what, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest guy, but he get it done. Also, looking at uh, guys in the slot, I know you did work on guys like Julian Edelman. Uh, you yeah. did work on Amari Cooper. Uh, have you picked up anything that serves you well here? Uh, yeah, like 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 I I definitely I definitely took took a took a little out of the bag from Cooper Cup. Oh, I, wow. I, I I definitely watched Cooper Cup um cut up. Definitely had to get some of his moves out of the bag. Can you that guy? He could he could be a triple crown guy. Touchdowns, and receiving yards, catches. Yeah. I mean, that's Cooper some rare. He's he, he nice. He's definitely nice. Play. I see a lot of players that we talked to over the last few weeks. Kind of have a little bit of their own product lines. Are you in line for that? Number one, because you, like I said, you got the best name in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, and number two is. Are any of these guys giving you any swag to kind of, you know, either promote their product or just kind of, kind of get a look at what they're dealing? Um, sure. I mean, what's his name? Um, Marquise, Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin. He he gave me he gave me some socks on his brand. Sure, Herbert, Herbert. I, I call him Sherbert. I call him <laughs> Sherbert. But but Sherbert, he he he's stingy, stingy with his stuff. You know, he ain't, he ain't trying to spread the love. He ain't trying to spread the love right now. But. I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one from him soon. How about Mooney? Mooney's got a line. Yeah, Mooney got a line. Mooney ain't gave me nothing either. <laughs> I, he ain't gave me nothing either. I, I'm gonna have to take some of his, his bag too. Oh, well, gosh. we we need to start. We need to start a double Z, something yeah, like that. Like, a double Z. I don't know what I would want to do though. Like, like, am I, am I gonna do clothes? Like, what, what, what type of clothes? Well, I you know, like, I feel like I feel like when I come out, I gotta be different. So unless I, till I find something different. Hey. Hey, it might be food. I, you know, you brought that up to the media back uh, back when they first met you at training camp. You wanted food <laughs> ideas. Uh, <laughs> how are you rolling food, with that, by the way? Because uh, I understand you don't really stock your refrigerator much. Yeah, nah, <laughs> I, I ain't really a cooking guy. But um, I, I done been to a couple good good places. Hey, Benny Hannes, but that's one one place I go to about <laughs> at least twice a week. I go to Benny Hannes about twice a week. I'm a big Chipotle guy. That's everywhere though. Um, 
What, what did I have that was out here? The Maple and Ash? Maple oh, and Ash. yeah. Now that's oh, good that's stuff. Jeff's place. That's good stuff. Um, what other place I've been to that was good? Oh, I mean, they, got, they got this one place out here called Griddle 24. It's a 24. It's, it's like Waffle House. It's like Waffle, it's like Waffle <laughs> still, House. But it, you're still working that Waffle House angle here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Waffle House, but, but it's, it's, they got wings in there, though. Waffle House don't got the wings. Interesting. Daz, tell us again. Tom asked you in the break uh, the original aspect of your name. Daz with two Zs. Where did it start? Who who came up with it and why? Um, my dad my dad came up with it and it came from a rapper named Daz Dillinger. He, he, was, in, he was in Snoop Dogg's crew back in the day. The, 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 I don't know what it was called, whatever it was called, but, but his name is Daz with one Z and, and my dad, I guess he liked the name, but he wanted to add nothing. I like it. I like it. It's a, it's, a, it's a good name and you know, people, that's the thing about it. People only need to hear it once. Yeah. And, and they remember it from other, I, like I said, it could be like a Devin. We might have the next Devin and a Daz and Jeff was the one that gave Devin, uh, Devin Hester the You Are Ridiculous, where it followed him for the rest of his career and hopefully into the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, you just got to do something crazy. Got to do something great on the field, right? You never know what pops out of your mouth. A uh, couple quick hitters, and then we'll let you go. Favorite food, what is it? Got to give me one. Just give me one. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to go macaroni and cheese. Ooh, oh. nice. can't go wrong there. As you told us, well, your mom said you slept in your uniform before games when you're a little tight. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you supporting? Are you wearing the jersey to bed? Nah, I don't get it no more. I, 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 I started getting too hot. In it. I started getting too hot. I woke up sweating, so I, I stopped doing it. It was really the socks. I had to realize I had to stop putting the long socks on when they go to bed in. Because I, I had to sleep in my pants. That, 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 was, that was just a thing. Love of the game right there. Lastly, uh, and then we'll let you go. Word on the Giants. What are you expecting? Um, I'm expecting the team to come in and play hard. And I'm expecting us to come in and do our thing. All right, with that, let's have a big old uh, to the crib on three. Ready? Give it to us now. Just send us out to break. Ready? All right, to the crib on me, to the crib on three. One, two, three. There we go. Daz Newsome, thank you so much, brother. Good luck on Sunday. Good luck the rest of your career. Tom and I will be back. We'll talk Giants after this break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Sunday's game against the New York Giants brought to you by Dr. Pepper's Zero Sugar, the zero sugar Bears fans deserve. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, back with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, this is Bears All Access, and brought to you by IGS Energy. Tom, who do you think is going to quarterback the Giants? They're not saying just yet. Uh, You're picking from Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm right now. Daniel Jones, if fans don't know it, out for the year after a neck injury. So that happened a few weeks ago. Fromm started last week. He got yanked during the game. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate because I was kind of hoping he did well and I would like to see him again. Um, You know, I know what Mike Glennon offers uh, the Giants and their supporting cast. We played against them. The Bears played against them last year in Jacksonville. So I think they really have a chance to get at him. But I'd like to see Fromm get the opportunity to play again just because you like to see how a player will rebound mentally. You know, physically, they have the qualifications. But nothing like getting yanked from a game, and then when you go back in, am I up to the grade of what they expect? All right. Well, whoever's in there, Robert Quinn's going quarterback hunting. One more, and he'll pass uh, Richard Dent uh, for the uh, Bears single-season record. That would be 18 sacks. He's got 17 right now. He's had sacks in seven straight games, 11 and a half sacks over that period of time. And you weren't a Bear in 84. You were a Bear in 85. But 
Richard did the same thing. He had three sacks in his rookie year, played 16 games, but he only started a few, and he had a big surge at the end. And then 85, he tore it up again with 17 more and six in the playoffs. But he also had three in the playoff game against Washington in that 84 playoff season as well and just wreaked havoc on quarterbacks. Robert Quinn's doing this. He, he, but he's doing it in ways that are impressive to Sean Desai because he's doing everything well right now. You know, his approach... Uh, in the offseason, like I've said repeatedly, has been awesome. His practice habits uh, every day are awesome. His meeting demeanor, he's, uh, you know, he's bought into the way we want to play defense. Uh, and he's done a tremendous job of doing that, you know. And for a guy that's a 10-plus year vet to be able to do that is uh, credit to him that he's still looking to grow and still looking to improve. And I think uh, I agree with you. I think uh, on all facets, uh, He's had a tremendous year. And then on if the sack record means something to Quinn. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it wouldn't be. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and I know he's he's a humble guy and and we all want the wins first, right? You're in this, you're in this sport to win uh as a team. Uh uh, and so that's still our primary focus as we go into the Giants game. And and if he gets it, yeah, I think it'll be meaningful. Will it be meaningful in that moment? I don't know. You know, I think that like 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 you know, anytime these guys set records and things like that, there's a time and place for them to be able to reflect on it. And, and he'll have that uh, for the rest of his life to be able to reflect on that. How you feel about it all big time? You know, you think of what Robert Quinn has done since the beginning of the year to the end of the year. You know, his first uh, sack came with a nice combination stun between he and Khalil Mack. In these recent games, he's had multiple uh, sacks with stunts involving Blau Nichols. So Robert Quinn, he's not only getting himself better, but he's bringing teammates along with him. And his skill is so impressive on his ability to adjust his body weight, move his momentum, explode off the ball, get an understanding of the snap count, and then have it result in, in sacking some of the more creative quarterbacks in the league. I thought it was interesting when I did that feature on him. Uh, he said because he's pigeon-toed, he thinks he's got tremendous right. ankle flexion. Right. You know? Hey, I, I, if you believe it. And it works for you, you go with it. Right. I, I agree 100%. Whatever your assets are, use them to the fullest of your ability. Safety Eddie Jackson. You know, he's a high-energy guy. He keeps everyone up. You know, everyone's on their toes. And just to see him having the success he's having, you know, you know it was you know it was well worth it. A long overdue shot, I'd say. He's a guy who comes in. You know, he works. He's focused. You know, and, and just to see him go out there making those insane plays, it's, it's incredible. And for us, we just want to feed off that and get to that, you know, that level. And that's, you know, bringing us back up to the double plan like that as a whole defense. All right, Eddie Jackson, a, a bear safety who is uh, basically putting his hand up in the air and saying, you know what? I don't mind playing nickel, nickel slot. Kind of likes it. Uh, he's mentioned more often than not that playing deep in the post or playing the back end of the defense, you don't get a lot of activity. They haven't thrown his way very much. Hey, he's in the mix every play if you play nickel slot. And he says that because of his cornerback background in college, it's something he's really, really adjusting to rather quickly in what I think is a very difficult position. Oh, so do I think it's a difficult position today, also today because you have multiple route variations that that slot receiver can run. But what I think I like about Eddie Jackson and the uh, matching the safety background with corner experience in the slot is you play a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. You can be more involved in stopping the running game and maybe even a couple creative blitzes here and there. So, yeah, if he expands this role, 
you never you never know the variety of things the defense can use with them. And Tommy, uh, word out that uh, Devin Hester is a finalist, one of the fifteen for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, one step closer to Canton for Devin Hester. You know it's amazing, and I think about Devin Hester, and I think about Charles Tillman. Because Devin Hester is often referred to in this NFL when you see great kickoff and punt returners. And then when you go out and you see the number of times throughout the course of a pro football weekend that the peanut punch is used, it's amazing the impact of Devin Hester and Charles Tillman have had on the league and just how they're constantly talked about in when you see other people reflect what they were able to do. Tom, this was a couple of years ago. We did an interview with Devin Hester about his chances to go to the Hall of Fame. What I did in the National Football League is not whether or not I'm going to make it to the Hall of Fame. It's, it would be embarrassing if I don't get first ballot. And that's how I feel about it right now. You know, when I sit back and I think about everything I accomplished, you know, for us to return game, it's not so much a will I make it. I know deep down inside the things that I did on the field, it's, it's no question. For me, it's will I be a first ballot. Hmm. and that's my question and honestly I do feel like I should be a first ballot. we'll see if he gets there he's a top 15 modern era finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame today even that's an accomplishment yeah it is it's a great recognition of how great he was and how talented at this level he is but I think you have to take in consideration the other guys that are in that top 15 class what were they able to accomplish and what type of careers do they have so if Devin did not make it on the first uh, opportunity to make it, it would be no insult to him when he does get into the Hall of Fame. Some of the other ones. Andre Johnson, the former Houston Texans wide receiver. DeMarcus Ware, the great pass rusher. Patrick Willis, the great inside linebacker. And your buddy, Sam Mills, Tom, the late Sam Mills. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Devin Hester's name belongs right alongside any one of those guys. So um, I guess he does deserve it. And when you there's not probably not a lot of people that are familiar with Sam Mills, but coming from a small college through the USFL into an all pro linebacker at, you know, five, seven and a half. You know, he he wasn't a huge guy, but he was a dominant a dominant player. And Zach Thomas, the former Miami Dolphin inside linebacker as well. Another small inside linebacker, though, Zach Thomas was is as intelligent as you got in the league, but um, he was an undersized guy, undersized guy that just had great mental success. All right, Tom, let's take a break. We have one more segment to go. We'll take a deeper look at the Bears and Giants coming up Sunday at Soldier Field. We'll have a 9 a.m. pregame noon kickoff on News Radio 105.9 WBBM. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, this is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People to get it. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, getting you set for Bears-Giants on Sunday. You know, Darnell Mooney, over 100 targets this season. Okay, that's number one. He leads the team in 20-plus yard catches. Nobody's close on the team. Cole Komet is second in single digits. He's got 14. He's now tied with Allen Robinson for third down catches with 14. Um, He's had a really good year. So he's bearing down on 1,000 yards. And he's also looking at ways in which he's developed. Uh, I would have to say uh, more of a, of a leader just in my room wise, uh, being more vocal and then uh, just um, trying to be as best as, as a playmaker as I can for the team and give a spark uh, whenever there's needed and uh, being there on third downs uh, when there's when there's needed as well. I think that run he made uh, against the, the Seahawks after the catch and what he did, I mean, it was brought up by Bill uh, Laser today, Tom, 
immediately going to the hash mark, hand of the bottle of the referee, keeping it going, not celebrating the big catch, not going through a bunch of histrionics, celebrating himself. He just knew what to do in that moment, and Laser said that was as impressive as anything. Oh, yeah. I think when you understand the moment, you understand how quickly you have to go about the process of getting everybody set, understand exactly where the football is, what hash you're going to be on, the type of personnel you want to include. The process of football never stops just because somebody made a great catch in a run after. You know, when you think about Darnell Mooney, 860 yards receiving on the year. What is the landmark for a wide receiver these days if you're going to be considered in that upper echelon when you talk about 17 games nowadays? So, I mean, is it 1,100 yards at the end of the year? Is that what everybody should be reaching for? Because I'm really interested to see what Darnell does with that 860 yards in the final two games. Right, exactly. And, you know, being a touchdown maker is the ultimate goal. Obviously, touchdowns have been tough to come by for the Bears and tough to come by for everybody, but that, that'll be the, the other gauge of it. How you set up scoring drives with your big plays, because he's had plenty. He's had a lot. And, you know, you compute, if you compute how many big catches some guys make and what that leads to on a drive, you're always looking at a play or two that are the hook for the reason the Bears get in the end zone or a team gets in the end zone. So that's something you look at as well. But I, I like the fact that as he begins the end of his second year, He's thinking of himself as a leader, and that's important. It is. You know, one thing I like, I like Darnell, and since the time he's gotten here, I think he's the most creative player the Bears have with the ball in his, in his hands. I think he's great in the open field, great around traffic. But I don't want to see him carrying sweeps anymore. I don't like the type of contact because when Darnell Mooney goes in motion, Jeff, because he is such a great receiver, that's a high alert of everybody in the defensive backfield and near the line of scrimmage, that 11 is in motion. So then you flip them the ball, it's a more physical impact, a more physical conclusion to that play. So, so I like Darnell. Well, then what receiver? Because so many receivers are doing that now. Yeah, um, I, you know, I don't know. I may a lot, you know, you know, Jakeem Grant, who has a role as a returner and is explosive in the open field. I think that's the perfect type of carry for Jakeem Grant. Separate him from defenders and let him be that superior speed creative. With Darnell Mooney, when you're talking about it's about touchdowns, and then it's about getting your offense moving downfield. All right, we touched on the tackle situation. This is Bill Lazor earlier today, Tom, on what's best for where the rookie tackles, where they play. For most guys, it helps them to be in one spot with consistency. Uh, the NFL doesn't always uh, allow that to be the case. I've been somewhere before with a rookie tackle who we, we felt really good, was, was improving on the right side. Midway through the season, we lost, lost a veteran left tackle. We made the decision to, to move. The right, the rookie from the right to the left, you know, probably if we had gone back, we said, we would have said, Hey, for this guy, this year, the better thing would have been to keep him where he was because he was playing better on the right than he played on the left. But you don't know that when you make, you know, when you decide to make the move, you thought you had a better right tackle to come in, you know, and become your, the old third tackle to become the new guy. So you, you have to weigh all those things. So the, would everyone like to have 100% consistency in their footwork and just play in one spot? I would think most guys would say yes. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got to do what we have to do to win this next game. And sometimes that means moving guys around. You know, And sometimes it's because we think you can move 
And we think the next best guy to come in should go to that side. You know, it isn't always just that one person. You're, you're trying, kind of dealing with the dynamic of the whole line. So that's, that's, I guess, a very generic but, but uh, honest way to answer the question about moving those guys around. To me, I've seen Larry Borum at, with, in front of me and uh, put it in display during the course of a regular season game that the most difficult position to find on an offensive line is left tackle. If you have an op opportunity to cultivate the skills of a player who's already in a short amount of time showed that he can play that position, then I try to make the future of my offensive line with that tackle going to his right. And I think um, still, if you put Tevin in the most confident right-handed stance that he could be in, you know, you have a beginnings and the makings of an offensive line for the future. And to me, again, I've been saying it. I start with Larry on the left side. All right, let's look at the Giants. Uh, what sticks out to you? They've, they've won just four games uh, in Joe Judge's second season. A lot of injuries. They got a lot of guys you don't even know who's playing off the COVID list. Saquon Barkley has been running the ball as well. Offensive line kind of in flux. Left tackles looking pretty good. Uh, the defense has some guys up front that are tough. You know, initially there was a clash of personality between a really serious head coach and some of the drills that they put him through in, in training camp. And so you got to be good to capitalize on that type of discipline and expectations of professional athletes at this time. And then they have complete failure in the quarterback position. That didn't allow Saquon Barkley, after he came back from injury, to have a wide open offense that people were responsible for space and not just attacking the backfield where he was. Injury to Kenny Galladay, who they brought over there to be a big play uh, spark for their, their offense. And Evan Ingram, the tight end, he, you know, he's kind of a guy that has skill and ability that's just never really put it together that you need for a 17-game season nowadays. And um, so... I think it's a team that's struggling, especially when you fire your offensive coordinator about the midway point. It just shows you there's kind of dysfunction from the locker room that carries to the quarterback position that is ultimately hinders the process of your football team. Kenny Galladay still there. Uh, Evan Engram, Kyle Rudolph, plenty of weapons for the defense to worry about. And on the defensive side of the ball, Aziz Ajulari, the rookie out of Georgia with eight sacks. James Bradbury, outstanding, getting his hands on the ball. And Xavier McKinney, the safety, second-year safety, has five interceptions. A uh, couple of other notes. Jared Allen, also a semifinalist now for the Hall of Fame. Cup of coffee with Good. the Bears. Yeah, you know, Jared's had a, a great career in Kansas City and in Minnesota and wound it up with the Bears, but... He was always a dominant pass rusher in the perfect down and distance, and he capitalized on it, and, you know, he's got a great personality. On behalf of Tom and I, uh, condolences to uh, the family of Jeff Dickerson, who died this week at the age of 44 on the Bears beat uh, for two decades. Uh, a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine, uh, a year-long battle with colon cancer. And, uh, Tom, the turnout uh, by the Chicago sports community and the National Football League, is it's really jaw-dropping. Uh, nearly $800,000 raised for his 11-year-old uh, son uh, who has uh, lost both his parents here in the last couple of years. You know, I just, I think it's such a sign of respect for Jeff and everybody feels so bad for their their son. And um, however, when you have this outpouring of emotion and evidence of it, it's just the way Jeff carried himself. He's always been a great reporter. He's always been a great guy. He's always got been a guy that's not looking for publicity and not being part of the story, but just talk about the story. 
and um, I couldn't feel worse about it. It just uh, it, it didn't come as a shock, but it, it came as just a sour of surprise because of what he has been through recently with his wife. Really uh, unbelievable story in many, many regards, but uh, his name's certainly going to live on, and Parker will uh, certainly uh, know that his parents uh, and Jeff were uh, extremely valued by friends and their community and this uh, this world of football that we live in. Tom, and a, and a coaching legend, also passed away this week, and John Madden, also a broadcasting icon and uh, a name familiar to all the gamers out there in Madden football. So generationally impacting so many different aspects of it, beloved by fans everywhere. How did he affect you in any way as a football man? Well, I, I got to tell you, throughout the entire course of my professional career, there's been two really giddy things that I've been excited for. <laughs> the little kid in me is when I first time I ever got a football card, I, I said, oh man, I made it because my whole life I remember collecting football cards and getting the bubble gum in the football cards. And finally I had a football. The time I went, the first time I went on the Madden Cruiser, because you're watching Monday Night Football from the outside, looking in and thinking, oh my God, if I ever play in the NFL, is there ever a chance that I would play at Monday Night Football and stuff? And so when you get the opportunity to be invited inside the Madden Cruiser, it's like you're walking into a, a mini palace of football royalty because it's only the length of a bus, but you're thinking, here's a living room. Here's a couple, <laughs> here's a couple uh, video screens that he watches video on. He's got his driver and his cook and his master bedroom and stuff. You know, it's, you know, that's the little thing about sports, no matter, you know, the, the little things that you remember and getting a football card and going on the Madden Cruiser. Well, I'm sure he loved to talk ball, especially with the guys up front. So I'm sure you had plenty of conversations with him. That's going to wrap us up. Uh, peace to him and his family as well. For Tom there, I'm Jeff Joniak. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to our producers, Jordan Treadup and Dan Brilli, and the folks here at The Score. Bears Giants Sunday will bring it to you from Soldier Field. That'll do it. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.